Well, it's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and this is news that you can use from Car Edge for Thursday, September 7th, with your host, well, Zach, that guy there, and me, Ray. How, how the hell are you today, handsome? I'm doing pretty good. Nice t-shirt. Different shirt. Yeah. haven't worn this shirt in a while. Yeah. I, I brought very limited shirts down to, to the beach for the summer. So anyway, I'm wearing yeah, a new you shirt. Brought, you know, you're down for three months, so you brought three shirts. I mean, who wouldn't do that? I brought six. All right, here's the deal, Dad. We have the latest data from Cox Automotive that we're going to be reviewing this morning about yes. new vehicle inventory. Yes. It continues to grow. We are up to over 2.06 million new cars in dealer inventory mm -hmm. nationwide. The interesting storyline throughout all of this data is the uh, threat of a potential UAW strike. We're not going to dig into that too much at the outset here. Let's focus yes. on the numbers first. We have, Dad, throughout August, let me zoom in here and we can review it all together. Throughout August, yes. the total U.S. supply of available unsold new vehicles climbed above 2 million units, a level not seen since April of 2021. Inventory stood at 2.06 million units at the start of September, up from a revised 1.96 million mm -hmm. at the beginning of August, according to Cox Automotive's analysis. That was 68% higher than a year ago, or 837,000 units. Yeah. Inventory numbers include vehicles available on dealer lots and some in transit. The trend of growing inventory. Yes. Some might even say skyrocketing inventory. Oh, my. Some might even say. Well, you. Continues. Yeah. And and as we've discussed, that the ideal inventory level uh, moving forward is going to be somewhere between 2 million and 2.4 million. That is still a far cry from the three and a half million that was typically available on a monthly basis prior to COVID. So, yes, inventories are growing. Yes, in comparison to what they were a year ago, I suppose you could use the term they're skyrocketing. Thank you. Okay. Um, but that that is a mid-level rocket in comparison to where they used to be at three and a half million. Does, does the increase in inventory bode well for consumers? One, one would think that it should, but it also depends, quite honestly, on the breakdown of that inventory. Is like 80% of that inventory High content, high price. We'll, we'll we'll dig into vehicles, it and, and and we haven't dug in. You haven't shared. No, no, we're going to. So I'm it. I'm just assuming that it's a rather large percentage. I want to come here though, dealer hacker. Thanks for being here. Says nobody will notice. I I'm I'm going to disagree because yes, we are starting to see. And when you dig into the data here, the, the it's the normal suspects. Okay, what I mean by that is the yeah. brands that have yeah, it says it right here. Yeah. Most domestic brands flush with supply ahead of potential strike, and we'll dig into the numbers even more in just a moment, those dealers, they are noticing because from the folks that I've talked to, yes, they are now turning back allocated inventory of yes. certain models. I've talked to dealer groups, Ford, Stellantis, General Motors, and those owners are saying right. no more of certain vehicles. We've got enough. enough. Already. Yeah, yeah, we have enough. Yes. So I think people are noticing and I think it'll it'll continue to show up. The strike obviously looms over all of this, what, what could potentially happen there. But people are starting to notice this, even though, to be very clear, you're right, we are nowhere near back to pre-pandemic inventory levels. But we're crawling and, and climbing our way back there, slowly but surely. Well, my, my suspicion is, my guess, 
we'll never get back to those this pre is the normal. Yeah, to the pre-pandemic inventory levels. And and the reason we won't is twofold. One, the manufacturers don't want to be there. And B, or two, it would be A and B, or one and two. Two, um, the dealers don't want to carry that type of inventory, especially when interest rates are as high as they are. So the floor plan costs would be staggering to carry those type of inventory levels again. Uh, and especially if the vast majority of the product is the high-priced, expensive products that the manufacturers are producing. Yep. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll ever get back to the pre-pandemic inventory levels. Are we getting to what I had been predicting for quite some time, an inventory level somewhere between 2 and 2.4 million? That, that will become the new normal, the new standard? Yes, I think we are. Um, now, the only thing that's going to impact sales of those vehicles is if customers suddenly say, I don't want that $80,000 pickup. Or I don't want that $100,000 SUV. Which the day supply is starting to indicate that that is exactly what is happening. The day supply for those types of vehicles continues to go up. We've watched that for months now. I want to come to the chat here, Dad, for just a moment. We've got from Matthew. Yes. In Maryland, I imagine. Saying dealers can refuse delivery of vehicles. Absolutely. They can turn down allocation. Now, the manufacturers hate when they do that. Their factory rep, um, you know, puts puts a check mark next to their name. Like, well, we're not going to help these guys out when they need some help uh, because they're not helping us out, which is all BS. Um, you know, the, the manufacturer doesn't care how much they overload you with inventory. They just, they've built it. They want to send it somewhere. They don't want to store it. Do you think the manufacturers, in your opinion, have BS sales numbers quarterly? Like when they submit those, because you, you've you shared stories with me when you used to work for um, Mini or, or even Audi. Like the manufacturers encourage, in my opinion, the manufacturers encourage oh, can fake I, sales. It doesn't have to be in your opinion. BMW paid a huge fine for having done it. Yeah. Um, yes, lots of the manufacturers encourage their dealers to report vehicles of that uh, report vehicles being sold that indeed are not um, BMW used to encourage their dealers and the mini dealers to uh, put put vehicles into demo service yeah. okay well when they were put into demo service they were removed um, as brand new cars so they counted as a sold unit well they weren't sold. Um, and in lots of cases, that goes on. Uh, there was a big incidence of that with Fiat at one time, and I believe with the uh, Alfa Romeo. Uh, it is part and parcel of the industry. What would be interesting is to compare, and this is probably what what the regulators have done, is to compare actual Polk registrations of sold vehicles to what the manufacturers claimed were sold. And the suspicion always has been um, that the Polk registrations are going to fall way behind what the manufacturers said were sold. I, I remember when, when I managed an Acura dealership in Scottsdale, Arizona for the Penske organization. And in that organization, it was really important to upper management for you to be number one in your market. Okay. They wanted you to be the sales volume leader in your market. 
But being a publicly traded company, you weren't allowed to fudge numbers. If you were allowed to report what was sold, nothing more. Yeah. You know, I, I sometimes I would get calls from my regional vice president, and he said, "Well, we're 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 volume wise, we we were number two this month." I said, "John, I can assure you, we <laughs> outsold them. We just didn't out RDR them." Okay, and RDR stands for Retail Delivery Report. And the reason I know that is because I would do dealer trades with some of those dealers, and I'd get a car back, and I'd go to report it as sold when we sold it, and well, it had already been reported sold by the previous dealer. So, so <laughs> look at this for me, Quay. I used to RDR vehicles that weren't sold. That like this is so. The reason that we we're even on this tangent yes. is because yes. when you look at the inventory levels, yes. it's probably BS. It's probably overstated, understated to certain degrees because cars are sold that aren't actually sold. Cars are in transit that aren't actually in transit. Like it's it's all the numbers there, are a little fuzzy. There was there was one time where BMW said, "Well, you know, just report the vehicles as being demos," and 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 at that time the um, warranty clock would start running on them. Well, you know, the dealers would say, "Well, you know, in some of these cases, we're sitting on these cars for six months, eight months." We have to explain to the customer instead of a thirty-six thousand mile warranty, they now have a twenty-eight thousand, twenty-eight month warranty. Yeah. Um, so they relented at a certain point and said, "Okay, you report them as a demo, and the warranty clock won't start until you sell the vehicle to the ultimate customer." Crazy the, concept. Though. Yeah, these, the, you know, these are games that every one of the manufacturers play um you know igor said well they did it so they could reach uh quarterly bonuses and i can assure you that they were encouraged by their dealer reps to do it because the dealer reps are gone they have sales quotas that they need to hit um it's just you know so much of it is just charades and a house of cards um but a big part of it really is selling cars. Yeah, well, that also <laughs> yeah. has to happen. We've got here from Carl saying, without a car edge dealership, we will probably never see fair prices. We are now working with three dealer groups, pre-negotiated pricing. For those of you that are unfamiliar, caredge.com slash trusted. We'll probably have this up in the next, I don't know, sometime this month is the goal. We are pre-negotiating pricing, mm-hmm. no additional fees or add-ons, delivery to your home, and a car edge concierge involved every step of the way. Super proud of the work that we are doing there. It feels like a long time coming to help people in that way. Now, Deb, let's come back to the data here. All domestic brands but two had supply above the industry average at the start of September. Cadillac had the lowest inventory of all domestic brands with a day's supply of 46. The lower a day's supply, the more in demand and the faster selling vehicles. The higher a day's supply, the less in demand and the slower vehicles are selling. Chevy had a day's supply of 52. With an affordable mid-size, or excuse me, mid $20,000 price, the new Chevy Trax is an extremely short supply at a 21 at 21 days. Yeah, well, and it's in, it, it's it's in short supply for two reasons. One is at that price point, it is extremely popular. And two, at, at that price point, it, it is not a high profit margin item for for Chevrolet to produce. So, so they're not making not, a lot of them. So they're not going to produce them in, in high volume numbers because they would rather produce their other more expensive, higher content vehicles that allow them as the manufacturer to have a higher profit margin. 
March. As has been the case all year, Stellantis, which some experts predict could be the UAW's target, has bloated inventories. Dodge brand has the most at 136 days supply, followed by Chrysler 125, Ram at 115, and Jeep. They're down to a 95-day supply. Yeah. Ford's Lincoln brand, which has experienced sales below last year's levels because you can't even buy most of their cars because they're on stop sale. Yes. And GM's, uh, GM's Buick division also have Hemi inventories. Looking at the best-selling models, the Detroit 3 appear to be flush with full-size pickup truck inventory despite production disruptions in August and some continuing into September. GM has another down week at its Fort Wayne, Indiana truck plant, and that makes the Chevrolet, Silverado, and GMC Sierra pickups due to an unspecified part shortage. I'm just going to call it right now. Yeah. In my opinion, yes. that's BS. Yeah. And and we were at a at a local Chevrolet dealership. Video on, coming on Friday, yeah. on Saturday, excuse me. Yeah. At, at, at a local Chevrolet dealership uh, on Sunday. And there were no shortages of of the 1500 pickups. They had an overflow lot that yes. we filmed yeah. from. So an unspecified part shortage for Chevy and GM, or excuse me, Silverados and Sierras to be not being produced is probably the... Um, realization that when they came out earlier this year and said, we are simply going to stop production of our pickup trucks because we have an oversupply, this is a better story to spin. That is BS. Yeah. Making two weeks, it has been idle. GM's Mexico plant uh, that makes the trucks has been down for three weeks for the same problem. Mm. Yeah. In my opinion, that is bullshit. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) The Ontario truck plant had a shortage of axles, causing production disruption at Ford F-150 production in Kansas City was halted last week, also due to an unspecific parts shortage. Unspecific, yeah. Yeah. They were they were out of tires. <laughs> wheels. <laughs> Steering wheels. <laughs> Backup cameras. Come on. They know this, what they yeah, need. This is, no, this is such BS, man. Yeah. This is such BS. The Ram 1500 has a 107 days supply filed by the F-150 at a 98 days supply. The Silverado and GMC are at 81 and 79 days respectively. Again, we were at a local dealer who has an overflow lot of the lowest supplied heavy duty or full size pickup trucks, the Sierras and Silverados, and they were on an overflow lot, gang. So please, please, please know that yes. these vehicles, there is a ton of inventory of them. Dealers have too much. The OEMs are intentionally, in our estimation, intentionally not producing them. And the, the potential strike is actually a generally for inventory levels, good thing for them. Yes. Because they're actually going to have an excuse to not be producing so many cars. Yes. It would give, it would give their dealers an opportunity to sell down some of the, uh, some of the excess inventory that they have. So is an F-150 negotiable? It should be better be. And if it's not, you're, 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 you're talking to somebody at the wrong Ford dealership. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got here dad from Douglas. Thank you for the kind Thank you, Douglas. contribution. Hey, Ranza, I yes. work at a dealer and have noticed the sales slump this year. Picked up a lot in August, strangely, but not as much as years past. We love people that work in the industry being a part of our community. You got any thoughts about why that might be, dad? Um, well, yeah, the sales slump is because the price of the vehicles is too damn high. And the interest rates. And the int- I mean, it, it doesn't. Well, apparently it does take a genius to figure it out. No, I'm pretty sure yeah. Douglas is. No, I'm not saying Douglas isn't a genius. I'm saying the I'm saying the uh, the manufacturers. You know, the, they have people there that aren't the geniuses, uh, because you have to realize if interest rates are high, and the price of everything is ridiculously high, well, at a certain point, it's going to become harder and harder to sell them, and you're going to have fewer and fewer people to sell them to. So, yeah, that's, you know, it's unfortunate, 
Chevy Trax, they don't seem to have any issues selling those. You know, less expensive vehicles, they don't have issues selling. It's the more expensive stuff. Yeah, it really is. You know, but if, if an average transaction price for an F, a Ford F-150. An F-Series. F-Series, excuse me, F-Series is $66,000. Well, that tells you everything you need to know. Financed yeah. at 9.99%. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's keep going through the data here before we and do. And can I say one thing about yeah. uh, Douglas Chester? Yeah. It's got to be tough going through life with two first names. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because like if he would have been in the army, they would have been going Chester Douglas. Je you know, no, it's Douglas Chester. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point, folks. Yeah. Melissa here finally made it to a live stream. Found you guys after I got an accident that totaled my car. It's stressful doing it all on my own. Your vids are helping, but still trying to understand the process. I, I Melissa, sorry that you're in that situation. Yes. I want to just take a moment because it's it's worth it. Let me pull it up on the screen. For folks that are unfamiliar with everything that we've built behind the scenes and the incredible team that we have, CarEdge.com, Melissa, is your place to go. Go to resources. A bunch of these are free. Go to services to find uh, we, the different we, we, ways that we can help you. A bunch of these, 90% of the stuff that is on the website is free. Yeah. Okay? 90%. Go to services for the things that aren't free. There you yes. go. Uh, tools. Most of these are, are are accessible in a free and a paid version as well. Uh, obviously, you don't have a car to sell, but if you had a car to sell, we've got help there. Finding vehicles, getting a fair price, that's under browse cars. Please, 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 please take a few minutes and avail yourself. Join the community. Yeah, at a minimum. More than anything, yeah. join the community. Oh, and that's free. See? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it has got to be tough going through life with two first names. Um, hey, I hear you, man. I absolutely yeah. hear you. All right, let's go through a few more data points. I know we're, we're spending a lot of time on this information, but it is super interesting. We get it monthly, so it's worth digging into it. Import non-luxury brands have the lowest supply. Didn't go that figure. Guy? At the opposite end of the inventory spectrum, Honda, Toyota, and Kia had the uh, had days supply around 30. Subaru and Lexus were on the low end as well. In addition to the tracks, yes. the CRV and CRV hybrid, the just launched Grand Highlander, Corolla, which is not just launched, yeah. but the Grand Highlander is Kia Forte, Subaru Crosstrack, and Nissan Sentra had days supply under 25. What do they all have in common with the exception of the Highlander, the Grand Highlander? <sighs> Gosh, they're all relatively inexpensive in comparison to the rest of the inventory out there. The higher the price, the heftier the inventory. Sounds like you were onto this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> the sixty to eighty thousand dollars segment had the most, with seventy-seven days supply, followed closely by fifty to sixty thousand dollars categories at seventy-four days supply. To contrast this, mm. the under twenty thousand dollars segment had a scant twenty-one days supply, followed by the twenty to thirty day, uh, sorry, twenty to thirty thousand dollar category with a thirty-five days supply. The thirty to forty thousand dollars segment had a forty-five days supply, and the forty to fifty thousand. Just amazing how 80. as you go up for every ten thousand dollars that you go up, the day supply grows. And again, I, day I, supply, what can you yeah. extrapolate out of that if you're the manufacturer? You know, when when I used to run the mini store, one of the conversations I used to have is we need more of the base model, whether it be the hardtop, whether it be the countryman, whether it be the clubman. And it was like, well, well, well we don't want to have No, you do, because they're going to get sold right away. And every one of them sold 
instantly as soon as they hit the lot. Now, did we make as much money per vehicle on those? We did not. Okay. Did we create a customer and a future customer for us to keep by by having those vehicles and selling them? Yes. Yes, we did. And the idea is to grow your customer base and take care of those people so that guess what? They'll want to keep coming back, buying more and more vehicles from you. It, 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 I, I say, you know, I'm not a genius. It doesn't take a genius to figure this stuff out. But apparently it, it, it takes some type of savant to convince <laughs> those that run, that own dealerships to buy in on it. Damn. <laughs> you used to frustrate the hell out of me. And that was, I, what, I'll seven never years for, ago? I, I'll, yeah, I'll never forget when we had a, a, a customer come in one night and, and she said, why don't you have any base countrymen with the technology package? And someone at the dealership said, why would we want those? Well, because customers want them. <laughs> because customers don't want to have to spend five times the amount of money to get the tech package with the navigation as, as it, how tenuous do you think the relationship is right now between the OEM and the dealers? So I'm trying to think if I'm, I think that the pressure right now is on the manufacturers because they have the UA, the, the, the domestic victory. Yeah. They have overpriced inventory that, that their dealer partners can't sell partners. They have a labor force that is threatening to strike and their cost infrastructure there is going to go up, which is going to do what? It's going to raise the prices even more. And yeah, they're supposedly coming off of record profits, but at the same time they're investing all those profits in EVs. Like, are dealers in trouble? Yeah, a little bit because they have all this overpriced inventory they can't sell. Yes. I think the big three are in trouble. I think those are the ones. They've made strategic missteps. They, their labor doesn't like them. Their sell, sales channel partners no, don't well, like well, them. Well, and well, their well, EV investments. Well, let, me, let me help you with something. Labor's never liked them. Their dealers never really liked them. Okay. The dealers, the, the dealers more than anybody understand that this is not a partnership. Okay, because your partner, a real partner, doesn't try and shove more stuff down your throat than you can handle. Okay, and and I remember my my Acura reps. Oh no, we need you to take more TLs. I'm choking to death on TLs. <laughs> I've got more TLs than I know what to do with. You know, and the, and the factory guy was thinking to himself, well, so do we. Yeah. Okay, but we would feel better if you took more. Okay, it's it's not a partnership. It's it's when my when the GM would call me at the Acura store and she goes, "Well, but they want us to take more." And, and my response was always the same to her. I said, "Jenny, at the end of the year, when we're bleeding red, okay, when we lost money this year, are they going to stroke us a check to make us whole?" And the answer always was, well, well, no, they will not. Well, then they're not really our partner, <laughs> okay? Then they're not really concerned about our longevity and our profitability. They're concerned about their own. And that's the part that used to really annoy the hell out of me. When, when I remember one time my mini rep said to me, he said, and he pointed at me. He said, "What are you guys doing to move these cars?" And I, and I, you know, 
I, I've been in the business too long, and I just I couldn't take this crap from these people anymore. And I just looked them dead in the eye. I said, do you realize every time you point your finger at me and ask me that question, you got three fingers pointing back at you, asking you the same question. What the hell is Minnie doing to sell these cars? Why are you putting it on me to figure it out? Okay, you're the manufacturer. Your job is to create the excitement and, and, and the market for these cars. My job, once you've created that excitement and market, is to say, oh, by the way, now that you're excited about a Mini, come buy it from me. Water break. <clears throat> you know, I, I I don't want to say I hated these people because <laughs> hate is too strong of a term. But I, 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 I really... Disliked them? I, I despised them because they just... Bought into all the corporate BS that they would, you know, when, when I can't take a sip, <laughs> when we would go, when we would go to meetings, okay, you know, where they'd bring all the dealers together. And I used to walk in and, and sometimes I would just announce, I said, here's the deal. I promise not to blow smoke up your butt if, if you promise not to blow smoke up mine. This is a smoke-free zone. <laughs> Got it? I mean, it's just such crap and 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 you know i would attend these things and sometimes i just walk out in the middle of them and my factory reference said you think they didn't notice i said do you think i care do you really think i care you really think that i have to sit here and listen to all the bs that these people are going to spew to me for the next three hours why why do I need to do that? But Ray, you're sending the bad signal. I don't care. <laughs> you figure out how to sell this crap. Oh, my face hurts. <laughs> ah, mine too. Okay, Jaws coming back. Do you ever wonder what your neighbors here in the condo building think? I don't wonder what my neighbors here think, and I never gave a crap about what the what my dealer reps thought. I think the passion in your rant right there demonstrates the true animosity between the dealers. I, I remember one factory. time, one time, God bless, you know, I, I, I went off at a meeting and and Allison got a call the next day and said, Ray really went off at the meeting. <laughs> and and God bless Allison. She said, well, he probably had the reason. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, the, I, I could, I got to a certain point in my life and my career that I just could no longer hide the disdain that I had for these people. And, and that's really what it was. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, when they would, when they would say stupid things, I would call them out on it. Yeah. And man, that's the one thing they didn't want to hear <laughs> yeah. was going, well, you're not buying our BS. No, I am not buying the BS you're selling. I, I remember <clears throat> we went to a launch for the clubmen and, and they were so proud of themselves because if you kicked your foot under the, under the rear bumper, the rear door would open. Yeah. Okay. The, 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 the boot doors would open. And and they and I just looked at them and you know Ford had had this for like I don't know six or seven years already and and so they just look look when you do this I said yeah it turns into a Ford <laughs> I mean come on this is not new stuff you know you're years behind and now you're making a big deal about it like you almost invented this crap yeah yeah. So what do you think's going on right now in the meetings between the big three and their dealer groups? I mean, because again, 
you don't have to look that far. The data and the numbers and all the industry reports show it. Go drive down your local automobile row and let us know if you do not see Ford F-150s, Ram 1500s, Chevy Silverado. They are just piling up and they all, Chevy and GM actually have like the lower price points or GMCs, excuse yes. me. The Ford average transaction prices, the Rams are in absurd. $70,000 pickup yes. They're probably having these same exact conversations saying, you guys built cars that we can't sell. You've priced people out of the market. And it's not just the big three. We saw this from Mercedes-Benz. Their dealers actually penned a letter to yes. Mercedes-Benz saying, hey, give us some lower content vehicles that we can actually sell. Yes. It, 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 you know, the 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 dealers and and probably the dealership liaisons from the big public groups are are having real tough conversations with their alleged manufacturing partners that we need cheaper stuff. We need you to be cognizant of the fact that we can't just continue to go down this road where it's all high price stuff because ultimately it's going to slow down and it's going to come back and bite us all in the butt. And, and so you, you don't think that there's tough conversations being had between Ford dealers and, and the, and the uh, upper echelon hierarchy at Ford over some of the EV crap that's going on. You know, there's some real hard conversations. And, and at a certain point, um, yeah, the manufacturers are beginning to understand that their dealer body, their dealer partners are fed up, are fed up with some of the crap that they're being uh, fed. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you it's you can't survive by not selling the cars. It's a dealership. It's based on you have to sell the stuff. When it sits, that that's not a good thing. When, I think I think the more empowered and informed consumers become as well, the more difficult it is for dealers to pull wool over eyes and sell these expensive things. And look, we got you into the right payment. Well, no, if you're actually negotiating the out the door price and yes. not just being sold on a $500 a month payment because you're signing up for something crazy. Like the more we inform and empower consumers, the more difficult it becomes for dealers to kind of offload this expensive inventory that no one really wants to buy, puts mm -hmm. more pressure than the dealers in turn have to put pressure on the OEMs. Because at the end of the day, the problem here is with the manufacturers. They're not producing things at price points that make sense. Then dealers take advantage of a situation where uninformed consumers can get taken advantage of. There, there's two things that the dealers do. Okay. They, they produce in many cases, the wrong vehicles at the wrong price points. And two, they don't create the excitement and the buzz for the product. You know, the, the manufacturer's responsibility is to create that market. This is not just, well, if you build it, they will come. They don't. And, and you know, I sent you an article today about how Jeep is hoping to end its sales slide because they're coming up with new advertising. And, that is part and parcel of what needs to be done. And if the manufacturers just build it, but they can't create a market for it, it doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't do the dealers any good. It doesn't do the customers any good. Um, and, and ultimately, it doesn't do the manufacturer any good. It's, it's, I, I've just always said it to every one of the brands that I worked for. Your job's to create the excitement. My job is once the customer is excited, my job's to convince them to transfer that excitement to buying the product at my dealership. My job shouldn't be creating a national market 
to create the initial buzz. Yeah. Let's come back to the chat here, Pops. Um, we've got, again, from Chester, thank you. Love thank your content. You. We appreciate thank that. You. Thank you. Appreciate everyone that subscribes to the Ranzac channel, whether you listen to the podcast or here on YouTube. And then Bada Bob, thank yeah. you for the contribution. Is Carage fair price on new cars based on MSRP? It is. We have an algorithm. We look at every single make, model, and even trim. And our car coaches maintain a database of what we expect you to be able to get as a fair price on any new car. Used vehicles is obviously not off of MSRP. And the fair price is something you can get back at CarEdge.com. And and that data is collected daily yeah. for us. I mean, you, you, here's the thing that you have to realize. Our, our team, our car coaches, and there's 10 or 11 of them now? Yeah, 11. They desk more deals in a month than a than the busiest dealerships in America. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they literally have their fingers on the pulse of the market in all parts of the country. They know what's going on. That's how many deals they touch on a monthly basis. Um, if if car edge doesn't work. If this whole thing were to just fall apart, every one of these people could go get a job as a desk manager <laughs> yeah. at the biggest dealerships in America because they have worked more deals than anybody else. Um, so these guys really do have a clear understanding as to if you're in Seattle, what you should be paying for an F-150 as opposed to if you're in Austin and what you should be paying for an F-150. They they have that much contact with that many customers and that many dealerships. No, it's pretty incredible. It's one of the yes. most incredible aspects of what we've been able to build here at Car Edge over the past few years. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. You promise? Yeah, you did great today. I, I just, you know, I don't know what it is. No, talking about the OEM, it seems like it's PTSD for you. You've just had so many terrible experiences. Don't go down it again. I no, I, I want to go down one more, just <laughs> one more. I'll never forget. We we had we had this um, when I was at Acura, the the RL when they redid the RL one time, and I had a fresh young uh, factory rep come in. Okay. Young guy, just just a young guy, yeah. you know, like like you know, maybe three weeks in the business, and he comes in, and he and he looks at my GM Jenny and I, and he goes, "Well, what are you what what are you guys doing to to you know create a market for this RL?" I go, "Well, you know, we're we're, we're hosting wine events, and we're going to different uh, different events, taking cars to different events for some of the higher end stuff that's going on in the valley, but." You know what the real question here is, Bob? He goes, what's that? I said, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what exactly are you guys doing? And at the end of the day, um, he said to the GM, Jenny, he said, I don't think Ray likes me. And Jenny <laughs> said, oh, I can assure you, Ray, it's not that Ray doesn't like you. He just doesn't like what you represent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, th he thinks you're a fine person. You just don't know what you're doing yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've dealt with a lot of BS, man. And these and these dealers today have to yes. still deal with a lot of this BS. I, I I dealt with a guy back in the '80s at Nissan when when there was really a shortage of cars. Yeah, 
and and Ralph said to me, he said, you're not getting any more of the cheap centers. I go, well, I got people that want to give me deposits. I said, what do you want me to do? Not take them? He says, get into the used car business. I said, it's not the same thing. You know, it's just the, these the, – uh, the, the 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 factory reps, all they know how to do is 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 regurgitate the uh, talking points yep. that their bosses give them. Yep. They have nothing to do with how to act. If yeah. these guys actually had to sell a car for a living, <laughs> you know, and, and I will say this, Ralph was a rather large human being. But if he had to actually sell cars for a living, he would have looked like Adonis because <laughs> he wouldn't have been eating at all. Yeah, you're <laughs> been busy, busy, busy. All right, here's the deal. We will be back tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. If you've enjoyed being a part of our community, being part of the channel, please like the video or, or the podcast or over on Facebook, wherever you are watching. It means the world to us, and we appreciate it. CarEdge.com is where all the various resources we've been able to build out over the past few years exist. So if we can help you, go check that out. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. Uh, well, soon in less than 24 hours, ladies and gentlemen, probably about 23 and a half hours. Uh, we'll be back with more of this nonsense. From Thank you.